How do we usually start? We sort of welcome to. Yes, maybe we should just try a new thing. Okay. Um. um... So we just sniff really loudly into the microphone. <laughs> this is the snot hour. In today's <laughs> podcast, we mm. are going to be doing some things. One of them is bringing to you an interview with, in my view, the greatest artist director. Uh, of audio drama there has ever been. I wow. think he's so amazing. He's Boz Temple Morris uh, of Holy Mountain and he has never produced a piece of work that I haven't been totally in love with. He sounds amazing and he's got possibly one of the top five names I've ever heard. Boz. That's brilliant. Is yeah. it short for something? I uh, don't know. It's close enough to uh, the French word boff though to make it even extra enjoyable, I think. <laughs> boff. Boff Temple Morris. What does boff mean? Um, it means I don't not bothered. Really? Yeah, that's what you say in Paris, apparently. If you look, everybody, you're welcome for all of the knowledge <laughs> and the facts. Next dinner party you go to, yes, absolutely killing Both. it with the with the facts. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing we're going to be doing uh, is playing you clips of that lovely interview, and then the second thing we're going to be doing is uh, bringing to you Show Off's Corner, which is uh, this time. Uh, populated by one of the most northern of our northern collective mm-hmm. of uh, voiceovers. Yeah. And talking of northern collectives of things, we're going to also be telling you something very interesting. Actually, maybe we should just do that now. Yes. What have you been up to, Nick, lately? Well, I've been putting my head together, collaborating with uh, two other fabulous northern-based voice and accent and text coaches who I've met on my journey so far. And we are creating the, drumroll please, Um. Northern Voice Collective. Ooh, yes. Which is really going to exist to highlight the excellent voice training that we have here in the North by putting on more and more courses and providing more opportunities to train in voice and uh, accent and all vocal related performance, voicey type things um, as we possibly can. I basically started the voice workout sessions, which are starting again on the second Tuesday in September, folks. Check out Eventbrite. Um, And people were like, well, this is nice and there's not very much of it. And as I kept doing them, people kept saying, do you do any more? And I'm like, well, no, there's only one of me and I have to have at least one night in the house drinking gin on my own. Watching Love Island. Watching Love Island. (laughs) Don't, I'm fully grieving. Oh. not because any of them have died, because oh, good, the series right. has stopped. Yes, I understand, yes. Um, so I thought, how can we make this bigger and do more things? So I got together with some other pals and we've created a thing. So we're hopefully, we've got voice work out in Manchester and also Sheffield now. And then we're going to, over the next year, do courses in um, Shakespeare... So approaching sort of heightened text, we're going to do character voicing sessions and vocal manipulation. We're going to do sight reading and cold reading prep, which is great for anyone who's doing auditions and things and lots, lots more. So it's very exciting. Oh, the the important people is we're launching through September Uh uh, with three pay what you can voice coaching days where you can come along and bag a slot, bring your problem or your quandary or your your uh, interest in a particular voice or accent or text-based thing and you get a chance to work with us and just give us whatever you want. If that's nothing, great. If that's four million pounds, also uh, great. Great. Um, so again, if you go on Eventbrite and search 
Northern Voice Collective. Also, we'll put a link to this oh, yes. in, if, if I think I can figure mail it out, out. show notes. Great. The mail out. If you would like to be on the receiving end of an email full of information, please do send your email address to vosocialnorth at gmail.com and yeah. you can get all this stuff sent to your inbox. We're very excited. Yes. So, yay. It sounds amazing. Come along to the launch 1st of September or the 6th of September in Manchester or the 29th of September in Liverpool to come along and meet us and bring your vocal issues. Brilliant. Absolutely okay, brilliant. It's very exciting. Yes. Right. Ooh, anything else? What else have you been doing? Um, oh, I did... I collaborated with my fiancé. Um, he's a comedian and he's gone to Edinburgh. And I did a lot of voiceovers and also, let's call it directing him in the booth. <laughs> <laughs> to do lots of voiceovers for their his and Amy their uh, double act their comedy double act which is currently in the Edinburgh Festival absolutely really smashing it to bits Leia by the time you've heard this yeah. podcast listeners um, you probably have heard of them what's the, the name of them they're called The Delightful Sausage and they're this getting stars all over the place aren't mm, they in their this abuse? year's show is called Regeneration Game and it's about uh, bringing love and joy to uh, a little northern town called Icklewick mm. um, but they're doing very well I'm very excited to have been a tiny bit involved I'm bloody proud of them we'll stick a clip at the end of this yes, episode we will so try. if you would like to hear more of this uh, what would you call it surrealist it's definitely absurdist surrealist sort of League of Gentlemen um, Reeves and Mortimer style so if you're into Michael McIntyre, it might not be for you. <laughs> but I was never even into uh, Reeves and Mortimer or anything like that. But I um, found myself uh, laughing with my actual stomach mm. uh, when I went to go and see them both shows. So, yeah. It's been picked as one of The Guardian's best shows to see at the Edinburgh Festival this year, which is amazing because there's about a million shows on. Great all round. So collaboration and all round this yes. week. Yes. And I didn't collaborate with anybody, but I was in a TV commercial. So if you see Longleat <laughs> Safari Park, Longleat Safari Park on the uh, on the old television there. That's my voice. Although, at the end. On the old telly box. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah so that was nice. Anyway, so uh, let's launch straight into our interview with Boz Temple Morris. Now then, some of you may know that audio drama is all I really care about. I love it so. And uh, something that I've heard from quite a lot of people that I've spoken to about audio drama is that when you switch on Radio Four, you can tell when something you're listening to is a radio drama, and not say the Listening Project or something. Hmm. It's got a sort of sound and um, that's fine, sort of, but also it's a bit of a shame. And so uh, when I listen to Holy Mountain stuff, which is Boss Temple Morris's production company, that's something that I've never felt. There's um, a, kind of a an authenticity that's very, very clear as soon as you hear it. Uh, and so I wanted to know, uh, so I asked, how Boz saw that difference. I mean, in this, I need to make a very clear distinction between what I do and what I what I like to listen to and what I like to make. That's one thing. A very different thing is what you normally hear on Radio 4. <laughs> I mean, there's some fantastic stuff on Radio 4. But the type of uh, the, the, the type of tone that I often aim for is, is not one that you hear that often. There is a, a uh, what do you call it? There is a kind of a world of Radio 4, you know. There is a world of drama, a particular kind of stylistic um, note that is repeated um, and that that you hear often. And, 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 and for me, I'm not saying that's good or bad, but it's, that's not the thing that I'm aiming for. The bottom line is that life is usually a bit more messy than radio drama. So consequently... 
a lot of radio drama is very clean in terms of the amount of you know stuff other sounds extraneous uh, beats you know the way I'm talking now in in incomplete sentences that you know it, um, and so it's made like that for very good reason so that the story is clearly told and that the audience get what's being said and they they get everything for me I often I'm very happy to have that mess in it. I'm happy to dispense with that cleanliness for the sake of something that I would call authenticity because it is more recognizably normal life. If you walk past a radio playing a drama where that kind of performance is is uh, going on, you, you're likely to stop and do a double take because you you don't hear it that often. You know, you... you you do hear it, but um, uh, but often people shy away from it because makers shy away from it, and actors shy away from it because uh, they're scared of 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 it being of the performance being too messy or too indistinct. So, does he make a lot of stuff that's what you would call naturalistic or based in real life scenarios for radio drama? Uh, well, yeah, but I think, I, well, we'll get into this a little bit more, but I think it's not so much just that it's um, straight up a conversation in a normal situation, mm. but more about the process of making it that he's talking about there. Sound real within the world that's being set up, I yes. suppose. Because I went to a live audio drama recording at um, Edinburgh Festival last when I was up there last week. And was that Spark Club related? Yeah, yeah, I think yes. so. And one of the things they were talking about was how... Um, they, what the actors there was a Q&A and the actors were saying how much they loved audio drama because it meant they could be anyone in any world in any situation and I suppose what struck me about that was the fact that he was talking about being real life and it being messier and stuff but I suppose that doesn't just have to be naturalistic you know Jim and John talking on a bench that could be messy in a world that is aliens or messy in a world that is like on a beach in Pakistan or whatever mm. does Pakistan have beaches? that's not could, for now I don't know <laughs> Is it landlocked? I was ah. I was in Denmark and saw a map of Denmark in a window of a shop somewhere, and was absolutely flabbergasted to find out where it was. It's like it's next to Germany, you know, Denmark. Yeah, I sort of thought it was one that. of the I thought it was one of the long bits, oh. like Norway or Sweden or something. Yeah, so Maybe it is a school day. Whether so, Pakistan has beaches or not is mm. irrelevant in comparison to the stupidity I demonstrated in the streets of Denmark. Yeah, it's very interesting. Mm. Um, and so, what a great voice he has. Yes, it is great. Very strong. Um, a little bit of background about this next bit. Uh, at some point in our conversation up until now, I'd mentioned Hair of the Dog, which is written by Katie Hims and is set in a pub on New Year's Day and was actually played out on the radio on New Year's Day, although I did not hear it on New Year's Day, by the way, because I was far, far too hungover to be listening to the radio. Um, and it was recorded in one long take, one long 45-minute take, non-stop, on location, in the pub. Um, anyway, so Boz, he's already mentioned letting the mess of real life into his work, but there is more yet. A lot of that is in the writing as well. It's not. It's not just in the in the making and the performance, um, and a lot of that is in the sound treatment, um, and then a lot of that is in the performance. I mean, it's in it's in all of these things. And and as a maker, from my point of view, as a director and producer, I've got a hand in all of those in all of the elements. So I'm so I'm trying to put them all together. And the way that you work with each one of them um, will bring that out in different ways. You mentioned Hair of the Dog a minute ago. That's written by Katie Hims, who is one of the 
best writers at at writing um what do you call it it's a, a, a very natural feeling dialogue that is very sort of embedded that you really do feel like you're kind of overhearing this um in normal life except it's also you know every word is chosen carefully every image and every the 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 rhythm of it i mean it's a it's a fantastic skill that that she hasn't um to, for example to to be able to have the writerliness if you like of 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 choosing a word so carefully in order to tell a story in a particular way and to make the bring the audience into a story in a in a particular way but to do that in a way that feels so accessible and so normal and so natural and so in that instance consequently you know when when i first read the first draft of hair of the dog for example we thought okay let's let's this flows in such a way that we realize if we record this in one take 45 minute take we will kind of really maximize that sense of of easiness and flow and if you like authenticity within the within the sound Nice. It's lovely to hear directors talking about what it's like working with specific writers and the styles that they have, because ultimately, I think more so with radio drama, it has to be good writing because that's all, all you've got is the words until somebody puts the world around it, you know, in terms of sound. So, oh, it's lovely. What a collaboration. Mm, that's a list of things agree. to listen to here. Yes, yes. Well, I'll get onto that as well. Um, so I have always said to anyone who will listen that I will put up with anything in a radio drama really if it's recorded on location because I don't even think there's any such thing as gimmicky in mm. that context because it always brings something I, I, I don't know um, meaningful to me as a listener I think um, so here is what uh, being on location really means yeah being, being on location does a lot of things it, it obviously it brings in the messiness of life in the sense that you know you're on the street so the cars go past when they go past the planes go over when they go over etc you know so sometimes you might do another take because something happens that is that you think is distracting from the story um a lot of the time you don't you leave it in I mean, we've recorded scenes in cafes, and there's people crashing around, stacking plates, and that's what that, I mean. That's what happens in life. I mean, so so you know, the the if you record a scene in an actual cafe, it will sound very different to if you record it in a studio and put a cafe on it. And that's kind of what I mean by the cleanliness, because if you did it in a studio and put a cafe on it, the cafe would be nice and quiet and right in the background, and and it, you know, it, it would all feel very nice. The story and the dialogue would all be front of of you know right in the front of the mix which sometimes is nice and sometimes you want that um but sometimes you don't sometimes it's really good to have a clack of a plate in the middle of a line that makes you stop and say the line again or or whatever it is you know something that is that that uh that reminds the audience of the image that they're looking at in their heads when they listen to the drama what we do is we go in a studio when there's a reason to go in a studio. Otherwise, we're on we're on location. So that that's our sort of default position. Whereas I whereas generally speaking, I think it's the opposite. People are in people just go in a studio by default unless they have a reason to go to, to go outside. Um, yeah, for for us, it's it's the opposite. There's another 
thing that being on location does, which is it 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 helps actors to act with all their with their whole body, which makes an incredible difference to how they sound. For me, there is a certain type of performance, a voice performance, where because it's radio the performance kind of starts at the upper part of the torso and comes out of the mouth and you know as a as a director i, I well actually not even as a punter I, I can hear that i can hear when people are doing that whereas when someone is is performing with their whole body um that sounds very different and it comes out in it comes out in their voice in terms of the sound and it also comes out of their voice in terms of the the sort of tonality and the texture and the the way that they're inhabiting that part whatever it is being on location uh because you're outside of the studio context somehow kind of heightens those senses a little bit for the performer it makes them um it makes it harder for them to act from their lungs upwards Well, he's my best friend now because, yes, of course, letting the whole body get involved will affect the voice in a positive way. That's what I harp on about all the live long day to anybody who's worked with me. The body and voice are intrinsically linked. End of story. I wonder when he's talking there, you know, I think there's something for many maybe purists or old school audio drama people where that feeling of it being in a studio and it being a radio drama might be part of the charm. I wonder is this being on location thing a newer phenomenon because technology allows it rather than... You know, some people might get really annoyed if a clinking plate comes in, I suppose. But I won't name names, but I did talk to a radio drama producer once, very old school, and they said, that when I mentioned Boz Temple Morris to them, they were very, they were full of scoff, full of scoff mm. for what he's doing. And I think there is an element of that, mm-hmm. some sort of reassurance of the known. Because I think there's also a, a charm to be appreciated in the skill of, you know, live Foley artists in the studio creating the world as the actors perform. And that's one of the things I picked up from this thing I went to in Edinburgh last week. But ultimately, I think I agree with you in the sense that these days, there's no reason why you can't be on the street if the scene is on the street instead of you walking up and down on a piece of wood in the studio. So I think there's probably something out there for anyone. That being said, if the script is crap, there's probably not going to be any saving it. So the last bit of our chat I've got here for us today is about something that people who work in theatre, I think, uh, are often taken a bit aback by. Uh, and that's the limited rehearsal time. So with many pieces, m- lots of our listeners will already know, there's a cursory read-through, and then you're in front of a microphone, and maybe there'll be more than one tape, but really by the time the cast are all together, that's it, you're up. So um, I asked whether he does any of that differently. Yeah, we don't We don't get to have the process, the theatre process, you know, where you really get to properly explore um, in rehearsal. And, you know, I don't either. Uh Perhaps I might rehearse a little bit more than some others, but I, but um, I think there is a lot in the conversation and in the preparation uh, going up to a production. And for me, part of this actually is also in the level of involvement and the reason for being for that particular drama. Why, uh, uh, why am I doing that play, that story? And to what extent do we communicate that with the group, with the actors, the composer, the 
sound designer, everybody. To what extent is this a, a collaborative joint venture that we all understand why we're doing it? I think the more that the, that is understood and the more involvement a group has in, in, in whatever way leading up to the recording, then the more kind of in the moment they are when they're performing. And whilst that's not rehearsal, it, it, it does something as well which again is about bringing engaged performances uh, and allowing uh, allowing actors to connect with the work um, in meaningful ways. So if we're talking collaboration, that's the absolute epitome of it, I think, Mm. from the start. Yeah, the entire group understanding why you've chosen to do that particular piece. Mm. That's a very powerful idea. You know, rather than just, yay, I got my acting job. Yes, yes. So we did actually talk for a long time as well about his work. So about individual productions rather than just the process in general. But we haven't got time in just one podcast for every single thing ever. So we're actually going to do something that we haven't done before, you know. And that is we are going to sometime now, between now and Christmas, release extra bonus material. That's exciting. It is exciting. It's for the people who are especially fans of Holy Mountain's work and want to hear more about pieces that they may have actually heard already. So this bonus content will just pop up one day in your podcast feed. That's as long as you're subscribed, of course, by the way, subscribe. Uh, And it will be 10 minutes altogether about the casting of Billy Homeless Dies at the End, the sound design of Saving the Blue and the process of recording Hail Mutter and also as it happens, what brings every choice of project together. That's fully exclusive as well. I didn't even know that. It's yep. really exciting. Ba-bing. Oh my goodness, we've got like bonus material to give people now. I know, it feels quite proper. an extra step up on this <laughs> thing that we're making. We've got a theme tune, we've what? got a bonus material. I feel we need some merch. Oh, oh, I'd wear a t-shirt. What do you reckon? T-shirts, yes. hats, maybe a mug. Um, oh, are those little trolley keys that uh, the lay oh, in our supermarkets? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're useful. Mm. Um, no, I'm sorry, it's got to be a water bottle. Oh yeah. A branded water bottle. That's a brilliant idea. It? Okay, well, anyway. Well, we'll think about that for Christmas, shall we? 2024. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Finishing off today, then. Yes. Well, we've got a couple of roundups, haven't we? We've got, um, first of all, uh, it's that, you know, since editing together and listening again to last episode of the podcast um, I can't hear the phrase show off's corner without hearing it like this show oh, off's corner <laughs> in your accent so um, it's would you like to do it again which one that's the show off's corner yeah, okay. I gotta remember it <laughs> that's the thing it'll be bespoke every time absolutely show off's corner that's exactly it I think it's the really hard lovely R on the end there that retroflex R so this time round uh, the show off we have is our very own VO Social Norther Drew, Drew- Campbell of Voice of Drew. Yes, he's very northern, isn't he? He's from That's where right. is he from? Carlisle. Yes, that is particularly northern. He's probably possibly one of the most northern. As north as you can get before you go to Scotland, I yes. think. I mean, we have some Scottish voiceovers at uh, yeah. the socials, but they don't live they in Scotland. Live here. Mm, yeah, so he's maybe winning. Frauds. If you'd like to uh, compete with Drew for the most northern, then please do get in touch. Um, <laughs> anyway, he has sent us through uh, something that we have listened to and both been very impressed with. So we're going to play it to you a segment of his character reel. Here we are Drew Campbell, character reel. Let me tell you about a winter tale. Once upon a time in a faraway land, there was a kingdom. Hello? Millennials? 
Millennials, are you reading me? I am patching into your frequency from the year 2071. You fool. The power contained within these orbs is enough to turn one into a living god. Today, I'm 100. I don't feel older. I mean mentally. What day is this? <laughs> yeah. It's great. And he doesn't really sound like that yeah. when you talk to him. That's I, it. I, I love, love it. hearing character reels from people who you only know their normal speaking mm. voice or their everyday sort of speaking voice. Well done, Drew. Quality. And we're going to finish off uh, this episode with a... Uh, a peek into the surrealist world of the delightful sausage. The man I have a child with and yes. I'm committing my life to. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> but also, in the meantime, please send us your submissions for uh, show us show us to our email address, yes. which is viosocialnorth at gmail.com. Or, you know, via Twitter or yeah. Facebook or whatever. Facebook. Yep. I've been Leah Marks. And I've been Nick Redman. And, and we, we are, are Vio Social, Social North. North. We did it. We did. It only took 13 podcasts. <laughs> Coming this spring to a charity shop near you, it's the Icklewick Barrel Band with their one hit. Where's my moss? That's my muck. Shut that gate. Eat your mud. Find my boat. Wash that dog. Soon to be released exclusively on minidisc. And now, back to the bollocks. Back to the bollocks. Back to the bollocks.